0: Welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. Today, Mark Schindler is back in the building. We've got Mark back from covering the WNBA playoffs as well as he did. Mark, quick takeaways on the WNBA playoffs now that you're here?
1: Uh, I think the Las Vegas Aces are the greatest basketball team I've ever watched. Um, it's truly nuts, man. Um that's I think that that's my biggest takeaway to be completely honest with you and I've watched a lot of basketball, watched a lot of great teams um, that team is special
0: that uh I, I've watched less WNBA than I wanted to this year, unfortunately, and when I did watch them, I was like, oh yeah, this team is fucking crazy good. Uh, they are absolutely absurd and that Asia Wilson is just like completely unbelievably impressive to me uh, yeah the, player. the best way to put it. it
1: to to simplify it down off to link it and you know eventually but there was uh there was one play i believe in game two um so still in las vegas and it looked like new york was finally starting to get a little bit of traction it started to score after struggling to score um they hadn't really been able to find anything that was working defensively and then finally they get okay they get a stop they get um Asia kind of gets gets a rough post-entry, bobbles the ball a little bit, goes up in the air, and then she makes a quick DHO uh, flip, pivot. There are like eight closeouts, eight successive closeouts by the Liberty off these swing passes, and then Chelsea Gray hits an off the dribble three from about 28 feet with the shot clock going off. Um And I think that's the best way to describe the aces. Like it really just, you can defend them as well as you possibly can. And you just kind of hope they miss. Um, Yeah, it was nuts.
0: So we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA today. Instead, I wanted to give Mark just a chance to give us two minutes on what he learned throughout the WNBA season. Because Mark's back now. We're going to talk today about Philadelphia 76ers, what we've learned about them this season, what their direction is moving forward. I felt like in the Harden deal breakdown, I probably gave the 76ers just a little bit of a short shrift just because I was talking to Law Murray. Law is more of a Clippers based writer, obviously. And I wanted to focus a little bit more on the Harden fit. I've also talked about that now yesterday with Jason Timpf. It's probably worth talking about what the 76ers have done so well this year. Uh, the integration of Nick Nurse as a coach and then where they go here moving forward because they have some assets now to be able to go and get a star. Then we're going to talk a little bit about Mark's beloved Indiana Pacers. We're going to break down why they are, in my opinion, the most miserable team to play uh, if you are coming off of a back-to-back, as the San Antonio Spurs learned last night, unfortunately getting drilled by 41 points against the spur or against the Pacers. Uh, we're going to talk about what makes their offense so special, whether or not we trust their defense enough to hold up in a playoff type setting, or just to be consistent enough to bank up regular season wins. Then we're going to talk about a couple of breakout guys. We're going to talk about Shaden Sharp a little bit we're going to talk about cam thomas i've not mentioned cam thomas really on this show yet i feel like and he's averaging 28 points a game so at some point we got to talk about it uh no matter where my uh questions about the whole experience lie we'll talk about cam what he has done unbelievably well as a scorer this year and then some of the other questions that remain finally i don't know mark wants to talk about peyton watson there's a chance to talk about peyton watson I just finished USC Kansas state. Maybe I'll mention some Isaiah Collier, Kobe Johnson, Boogie Ellis takes. We'll, we'll see where the world takes us, but we want to start with 76ers outside of the WNBA. Mark, how's it going, buddy?
1: It's good, man. Uh, this has been one of the, uh, most insane, hectic months of my professional life, or I guess just life in general. I told you before we got on, um, This is going to be the first week I haven't traveled since the last weekend of September. So I'm looking forward to kind of just working and not having to travel at all this week and not being in an airport or in a car. Um, But uh, we have so much basketball and I love it. This is one of my favorite times of year. We get the right in the beginning of college season. uh, Also, please schedule better teams for your first game of the year. Cause it's just more fun for me uh, and for you. Yeah. Um, and we are just like in a really fun, like this is always my favorite time in the NBA is the first month. Like you really get to, yes, things are going to change as the year goes on, but you really get just a, a feel for what a team's going to be that year, what they want to run, what they want to get into, who's yeah. making leaps, who's doing what. And like, I love that. It's my favorite part of the year. So I'm excited to dive into it, man.
0: It's, the best time of the year in some ways for sports because you have like everything kind of going I know, but also the, the
1: worst because everything's going <laughs> yeah
0: because yeah, the world series just ended but everything is just going uh let's talk about the 76ers here because the philadelphia 76ers are in a really really positive position now in a way that i had some questions about coming into the season just Mm -hmm. to be frank with people. Uh, I talked about them with Robbie Calland. I said, wouldn't touch their over under either way, just in terms of how things could go with James Harden. uh, You just never knew Well, they've moved James Harden now, but what I think I did not account for is just the level of the leap that Tyrese Maxey was going to take this season. The 76ers are currently five and one tied for first in the Eastern conference. They have been, terrific across the board in large part because of these two key let's call them additions I guess right first and foremost Tyrese Maxey has taken a leap from really good top 60 player in the league to this guy's going to make an all-star team this year Mm. second I love what Nick Nurse is doing I love what he's running I love what he is uh I love the way he is creating space for guys like Tobias Harris to get open shots. I love what he's doing with Tyrese Maxey to be able to get him uh, more space to operate. I just love the entire experience right now.
1: Yeah. um, I do want to throw in a quick caveat just per dunks and threes. um, Our friends over at EPM, they are the the Sixers are currently 24th in strength of schedule, but I don't care um, to be honest. Like I think, like it matters, but I think exactly what you're hanging on. So much of this is process stuff for me. Like I do think that, yes, you can point out schedule, but also like what they're doing matters because exactly like you mentioned, what's been the biggest thing is Joel Embiid's passing. Like I think we've always seen, especially, you know, the last two years we've seen those those growths from him. And it's not that I think he's made some giant leap as a passer this year. I think they're just giving him different opportunities, different looks. The floor looks different. Um there were a lot of really good merits between the Harden and Bede pairing. But one of the issues always became in the half court, what happens when people load up on Joel and we can't get him the ball? What Nick Nurse has done is said, okay, Joel is going to just initiate the offense from the perimeter for us a lot of times if he's not in the post. And honestly, like if I need to check the numbers. It feels like it's been probably the lowest post up here for him that I can think of. Um, and it's worked swimmingly because he has the entire defense right in front of him. He can see everything when you have the ball in his hands and you're drawing out the defense too, that opens up cutting lanes in a different way. You can't just lay off of him. Um, and I love what that's done because even though I, 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 it wasn't anything that you and I talked about, but I believe you tweeted about it, or I just heard you talking about it on the pod at one point, but like they're just playing the the offense so much farther out. Like they're setting these screens for Maxie, like five feet beyond the three point line to get the most out of his ability to get downhill and that just, just the the pairing that they've been able to put together with them has been really fun because um I think just seeing this team go in a different direction while still having them out of the same pieces and, and just kind of reinventing things on the fly has been really fun to watch. And also felt really effective. Like it like you mentioned with Maxie, this has been a very legit leap. And obviously we'll get into that more, but um, yeah, I think to me that just, again, like how Embiid has been utilized has been my favorite part to start the year. So 2020
0: to 20. So the 2020, 2021 season, Joel Embiid, according to synergy, 9.2 post possessions per game, 2021, 22, 7.8 last season that actually dropped down to 4.8. And then this season he's down to four. So, Oh, We are steadily trickling down in that way. He is absolutely taking less post possessions, which I think is a really, really critical, critical thing to state. And I love what you brought up in terms of utilizing him more in that way, because where I think he has struggled previously in dealing with doubles is more on the block than anything. Mm -hmm. I think that he struggles to see those digs like down into his handle a lot of the time. And then it just kind of like throws him off a little bit. Yep. I love your point about the way that they have operated in ball screen so far. They're running a lot of empty side actions with him and Tyrese, and they've done a really good job as well of finding ways for Joel to get into the middle of the court, particularly. Whereas you said he is facing all of the action, he can either turn that into a post up, he can hit like a quick little uh, pass, like on a kick out or to a cutter or something like that, and on top of it the thing that I've been most impressed with, I think has been the synergy between Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid in those ball screens in terms of timing on pocket passes and timings in rolls, because that can be actually a really, really challenging thing to talk about and figure out. I mentioned this yesterday on the podcast with Jason, that if you go back and you remember early on when James Harden got there with Joel Embiid, it took them like, A little bit of time to figure out that timing that synergy Tyrese and Joel have played together for a long time now but they haven't run like a crazy amount of ball screens together certainly not where it's the primary centerpiece of their offense the fact that they have this synergy already is what really really stands out uh that they have that timing down particularly on that pocket pass to get Joel in the middle of the court where he can just make things happen
1: yeah no I agree and I think on top of that too um, just the overall comfortability for Maxi on his pull-up has been huge too. Um, like I think in general, like that's been an improvement of late, but like this year I think that's really popped. Like his release just seems a little bit more snappier. He seems more comfortable getting it off. And when you're talking about somebody taking on as much usage as uh, more of a primary ball ha- ball handler for them, that's been massive in, in what you're talking about with what this can be. Because even if you like, I mean, James is a better passer, I think you know James is one of the five best passers on planet earth. But like when you look at top down what you can when you combine the gravity of what Maxley can do as a downhill force along with the pull up on top of what Joel brings, I think this is more lethal than what we saw with, with him and Harden or has the potential th- to be.
0: I think it is. And I think a piece of that is A, the spacing around them. And B, yep. I think it's James, yes, is a great passer but things tend to be on James's terms a little bit more. Yep. Uh, and this isn't a bad thing when you're like an MB MVP caliber player, right? Like that totally makes sense for it to be on your terms, but Tyrese plays just like a more direct brand of basketball than what James does. Like he is attacking, he's making quick decisions and he's moving it. Like if the shot isn't there, It's going to somebody else. If the shot is there, he's going to pull up. If the pocket pass is there, he's going to get it to Joel. And he's still developing that. Like, he's still learning how to read, like, the third level of the defense as he comes off of that ball screen. Like, he's still learning how to read the backside for sure. It's going to take him some time. But it's the directness and the quickness that I think everything is happening as well that's making it much much more appealing to watch. And also I think a little bit more effective with Philly.
1: Yeah. And I think you make such a great point not to go on like a, a giant tangent, but I think one of the things that was really key for me in starting to understand and pick apart passing outside of just assists was like, and it's not to like denigrate Dame as a passer, but I used to think, you know, cause Dame was always top five in assist or whatever. Like, Oh, well Dame's like one of the best passers in the world. And I think it's such an important point in looking at the importance of scoring gravity and how you're getting to it. And what that opens up as a playmaker, because like you mentioned with James, great at those cross court whips and finding things out of, you know, playing out of tight space. But at the same point, you're still playing out of tight space against a pretty set defense with Maxi, Like, OK, it's like you're hitting with a hammer going 100 miles an hour and he's got all these things and reads ironed out. And yes, they're more basic reads, but it's like, OK, if a team has to sell out to do the ball with what Max is getting out. Those reads are going to be there. Those things are going to be there and it's there consistently. And when you have what he's doing as a score right now, on top of all that, that's it's a more consistent read that I think this team can rely on in the half court.
0: I completely agree with you on top of that. I think another piece of it that's happening is because of that initial action that you're seeing at the top where Joel is away from the rim. He's not posting as much. I think what Nick nurse is doing to play off of that as well is he's creating opportunities for guys to 45 cut from the weak side to baseline cut from the weak side to create easier buckets for guys like Kelly Oubre for guys like Tobias Harris. It's made life really quite easy for them offensively. And look like, again, let's acknowledge the schedule here on some level, right? Like they got the Raptors twice. They got, uh, a Bucks team that was a total just sham of a defense at that point. They had no idea what they were doing defensively. Uh, Adrian Griffin has since switched back to a drop scheme. Uh, thank God they've played the Wizards. Uh, they have also played a Suns team, uh, that did have Kevin Durant. Uh, and that was it. Did not have Devin Booker in that game. So the schedule gods have hit the 76ers right now, but there's something to taking advantage of the teams in front of you and making sure that you get wins. Like, you know, Memphis has struggled so far this season. So easy to call out Memphis, but like Memphis lost to the wizards. Right. Uh, And that was honestly like a real warning sign in my opinion. So like to go ahead and take care of business in these games is really important. And look, their next game is against the Boston Celtics, right? And we're going to find out what's going to happen. I think they play tomorrow night. That's going to be a great test for both of those teams, I think. Uh Boston is a team that has had a lot of success against Philly. Philly is going to find some things out in terms of uh, does this scheme work a little bit better against Boston's defense? Does Nick Nurse's addition change things for them a little bit more substantially? I think across the board, this is just a really, really positive start. I have no real like complaints about this, just really positive notes on what we've seen.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned Tobias and I think he's been such a big part of the offense too, because they've really empowered him in early offense. Um, And I think, I mean, part of it too, is just mentality. Like for reference, this is the most he's gotten to the rim, obviously early, but most he's gotten to the rim since he got traded to Detroit in 2015, 16. Um, this is the most he's been assisted on since his second year in Philadelphia. Um and it just you feel it, like you feel the way he's moving within the flow of the offense. You feel it with the quickness and force that he's playing with, which is just not something we're used to saying with Tobias. Like he's still a very good player, but like this is the best version of Tobias. When you get him like, okay, I'm 6'9, I can handle and I can attack. I'm empowered to do it. And it it just fits, it works. Um, and I've really enjoyed watching that. But then you know, we hit on Kelly a little bit too. Um, we can definitely talk about the defense. Like, I think the defense has been about the same like I think he's bought into being active but there are obviously still going to be quite a few flaws within Kelly's defensive game but I think when you talk about what he brings offensively like this is for me if what we get from Kelly carries on the whole season this is just such a a home run for what they did like I was I I remember when we talked about this the day after the signing happened like I thought okay it's Kelly on a minimum like if this works it works if it doesn't it doesn't And right now, like this is the best his shot profile has ever been. And it's never as simple as just that, but it's more like you can tell very clearly, like, yes, Kelly is going to take his shots, but okay. If the shot's not there, he moves the ball or he just takes the shot right away. Like it's been, this is, this is what you want. Like, and this is the exact kind of player that they needed as much as I love PJ Tucker's defense. Like, I think it's just continue to go underrated how much he has hurt them offensively at times. And having a player like Kelly who gives you options of just having length but also being somebody who is going to gun it, which they have absolutely needed from the fifth spot, um, a countless amount of times the last couple of years, has been perfect. And it's a lot like watching Tsunami Poppy in the the Suns year without some of the self-creation stuff, like – He's getting out in transition. He's been extremely aggressive, like you mentioned, and very empowered as a cutter. Um, he's just been a really good punch for the offense. And yep. I think he's been – I mean, this is this is the best idealized version of him.
0: Yeah. Per cleaning the glass in non-garbage time minutes so far, do you know what the Philadelphia 76ers offensive rating is?
1: Uh, non-garbage time. I don't know non-garbage time. I know they're top five in both offense and defense right now.
0: Yeah, they are 123.3 points per 100 possessions in non-garbage time minutes right now. Uh, That is first in the league by two points over Indiana, two and a half points over Boston. Uh, Boston right now has a top three defense in both metrics. Uh, Just. Absolutely. Ridiculous. They are. uh, These are the two best point differential teams in the league. Boston and Philadelphia right now. Boston's beating teams by 16 and a half uh, points per 100 possessions in non-garbage time minutes. Philadelphia beating teams by 15 points per uh, 100 possessions in non-garbage time minutes. It's going to be a great game on Wednesday. Really, really excited to see both of these teams play. But let's talk about what happens beyond Wednesday now, because this is the most I don't – I mean, maybe this is unfair to 76ers fans, but I feel like this is what most 76ers fans are waiting for, is to try and find out what does Philadelphia do with all of these assets they've accumulated. What I said on the night that the James Harden deal got done was that I think they will be patient and I think that they will wait until the exact right person that they want to come along comes along. And if that means the off-season, great. If that means in-season, great. In-season, the advantage is that, like, let's throw out a name, right? Like, if they go get OG Ananobi from the Toronto Raptors because the Raptors decide to rebuild around Scotty Barnes, you get the ability to have OG Ananobi's bird rights and then potentially be able to retain... Tobias Harris, etc., around this team, D'Anthony Mountain's cap hold, everything like that without eating into your cap space this summer. If you wait until the summer, you could potentially have a situation where you get different players available. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are free agents this off season. Uh, you know, a number Clay Thompson's a free agent. I don't think Clay's leaving golden state, but you guys understand what I'm saying. When I say that there are different options available, potentially, if you, they wait what type of player do you think the Philadelphia 76ers should be looking for here Mark to mix with Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid
1: honestly I think I still want to see them try and be active this year to make it happen because I think when we talk about where Maxey's at right now like if and, and this is all stuff like this isn't just a hot start like yes he's shooting 50 40 90 but I think I'm pretty confident saying he's a 40% three-point shooter. 45, okay, that's that's a different story. Yep. But, like, agree. When, when we're talking about where he's at right now and what Joel is at, like, when you have two players like that, I just think with what is – obviously, you know, this like, the next couple games against top-flight opponents will be important for, like, gauging some of that stuff. But, I mean, I just look up and down and everything. Like, watching the Wizards game, I texted one of my friends who's a Sixers fan. I was like Nick Batum is the best forward that Joel Embiid's played with since that not named Tobias Harris since they like traded Robert Covington to Minnesota. It feels like it's got to be close. Like obviously you can mention Ben and whatever, um, but like it, it. I think when you're just talking about in general what the supporting cast is, um, I think to me what's missing that I would like to see, I feel like as much as I like Anthony Mellon, I still feel that he's overstretched as, as a, as a starter on a, on a team with real title contention aspirations with, or I should say with potential title contention aspirations, he does awesome things, but I still think that the overall decision-making and um, actual scoring ability and, and just kind of streakiness of his shot is a real question for me. But I think like, if you can, put to get like I'm not even saying he needs to be an all-star level player. Like I think if you get like a legitimate starter who can hold up on defense with a little bit of size at the two that can run some secondary stuff, then I feel as good as I did about last year's team in terms of making a run before the playoffs happen, I should say. Um so I like I don't know. I, I think it's a, a very interesting balance of like do we want to keep things open for free agency and test that or do we want to say hey all these other teams are in flux and still figuring shit this out, out this year too. Do we want to give Milwaukee another offseason to kind of get this piece together around Dame and, and Giannis? And like, obviously you can't just yeah. focus on what other teams are doing, but I do think it is part of the equation when you're talking about like, we don't want Joel to leave. Like we need to prove to him. We are here to win, like that he can be a winner here. Um, Obviously part of that comes down to him in the playoffs as well. But like, I think, I don't know. I feel optimistic about this. And I know, you know me, I'm a very optimistic person, but, um, I, I, I like this group.
0: I feel optimistic about it to And I feel optimistic about the team they have right now. I just don't know who the exact player is on the market yeah. that would like that. I would be willing to like go all out for right now. Right. Yeah. Uh, With the Toronto guys, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, I mean, look, it doesn't seem like the vibes were great in Toronto last year with Nick Nurse, right? So you wonder what that situation would look like, right? Uh, For, you know, Zach Levine, if the Bulls blow this thing up, DeMar DeRozan, if the Bulls blow this thing up, I don't know if they solve enough problems for what this Philly team, like, should be looking for from a – Know, defensive wing, shooting, maybe some secondary playmaking creation problem, given what the price point I think would be for somebody like a Zach Levine, right? Yeah. I just don't know who the guy is right now. Now things change throughout the course of a season, right? Like things will adjust and they will pivot and Guys will come available. Guys will go off the market, right? This is just the way that this works. But I I still don't know if I see who the player is right now where I'm like, oh, yes, Daryl Morey should use like the last assets he has in his toolbox here and go out and like do everything he can to go get that player.
1: Can I say something that might sound borderline insane?
0: Yes, go ahead. I don't think it sounds
1: insane, but... And I'm not saying that he is like this perfect mold. If you cobble up, up enough and, and you have confidence that he will be healthy, which that's, you know, that's an entirely big if. Gordon Hayward does a lot for this team for me and a lot for me in terms of what this group is. Um, again, you're asking a lot yeah. for him to be healthy. But I think if you can factor in the idea of like, okay, we're asking him, we're not asking him to be a star on this team. We're asking him to be like our third or fourth option more fourth, honestly, when you're talking about it. Just be a connected wing, be able to hit open shots, and be active on defense. Um, I don't think it's perfect, but I think when you talk about just making something happen, what, I think the issue becomes, okay, well, what salary are you sending out? Um, but he's not an expiring. Uh, that,
0: That's The, the, the salary is easy because he's at like 30, and they have Batum. They have Marcus Morris still. Uh, oh, I they forgot. Have they, have, they actually have a they can, big deal with that. Yeah, they they can just like send expirings anywhere they want at this point.
1: Then I legitimately like I, I wouldn't take that off the table if he's able to be healthy for the like if 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 he doesn't have an injury leading up to you know whenever they would think about trading for him, I don't think it's insane. Um, because to me so again, like looking up and down with like to like I just, just looking at this group again, it's not even about like Uber like Uber is. I wouldn't even consider Uber a neutral defender, to be honest. Um. I think when yeah. you look up and down, though, just watching a group that like what I what, what's always stood out about nurses, just willingness to be a little bit funky, um, like having actual length on this team. Like, I think that's what stood out to me the most in watching this group. I'm like, holy shit, like the Sixers don't just have Tobias, Joel and a bunch of dudes who are six, five and shorter, like. There's yeah. actual length. There's real options to throw um, some more activity out there. Like not that he's been amazing, but like, okay. They're like, all right, let's throw Jaden Springer out there. We're going to have him pressure the ball for, for a five minutes first. see what happens. Like there's been a willingness to actually see what they can do with different options that it just didn't feel like was the thing last year um, and years prior. So like, I think that's been a big deal for me, especially when you talk about how much pressure was on Joel defensively, like there still is like, he still needs to be awesome on that end, but, there's just more leeway when you have some of this. Um, so I don't know. It's it's definitely been jogging my brain the last couple of days.
0: It's not a bad idea, I don't think. I, I do kind of – I don't hate it just because it probably would be the kind of deal that would be like a placeholder deal yeah. for this season. And then if it goes well, like you can sign him for another year. He can be a uh, – backup option with his bird rights that allow you to retain Tobias Harris's bird rights potentially until you have to release all of them. If you go and get a free agent this off season. that can be a piece of your like sig- sig- uh, significant substantial core moving forward with Joel and Tyrese. I mean, it probably, I don't know. Like, I don't think Gordon gets a first round pick back. Do you, he I, might
1: maybe, He's, I mean, he's been like, the, what's so he's, crazy. He's been quite this, like, good. He's, he's so been good. Far. He's been good this yeah. year. And I, like he's been good in Charlotte. I think it's gone underrated. like, he's not amazing. He's lost a step off athletically for sure, but he's still a good player. Um, So it's, yeah, it, it, again, like you said, I don't know what the price point ends up looking like entirely, but like you mentioned, there just are not a lot of options right now. Like, I don't know yeah. if, like, I've, I like Jeremy Grant, but I don't think that he is the option for for Philadelphia for me, although it would be extremely cathartic if it's like Jeremy Grant comes back and closes the process with the Sixers and they won a title in 2024.
0: Um, Yeah, You don't release all of your potential flexibility moving forward to go – acquire jeremy grant i agree
1: with opinion. you but I, yeah no exactly i'm just i'm just you know in, in brainstorming it's the actually same with looking to make deals
0: the, the same with kyle kuzma in my opinion yes like i think Who Kyle kuzma is a really good player I, I i think he's a really good player though and like i think that you can make that work kuzma's been pretty good he's offensively a, too so far been, okay it's just that their off their defense has been like unsustainably bad it's but then you i think they're gonna break on their the own team.
1: record this year to be honest yeah.
0: it's it's been horrific defensively but Kuzma's, kuzma kuzma i think yeah, like let me, you look at his Kuzma's numbers been good this it, year my like, bad
1: I, I was i looked at his numbers completely incorrectly i've only watched the yeah, twice this year so
0: he's be he's cool. been okay look he hasn't been like nobody on that team's been like great and nobody's been good defensively but like again like i to not belabor the point like i don't think he should be an option for them really the guy that like Look, if Brooklyn decides to kind of move in a different direction, like everybody would be beaten down the door for Mikael Bridges. Uh, and Mikael Bridges is like the ideal player to have between Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just skeptical that they will move him. Yeah.
1: And frankly. the price point would be so high too. Like why? Not not why. Like I would totally, if if Mikael's on the market, I would do whatever I could as a Sixers. But also like, yeah. do you end up, sacrificing everything else that you needed. It's just, I don't know. It's in an odd place. And I just don't see why Brooklyn would even think about it. Like,
0: yeah, I I feel like I'm not sure wrong
1: for that. It would like, I keep seeing that get thrown around. I just don't understand. Like, I know there was like a vague report that Brooklyn could be swayed or something, but I feel like that is just a shot in the dark. That has not really been all that held up to be honest. So, yeah,
0: we'll see. So, Where I'm at with the 76ers, to put a bow on it, I love watching them play. I love where they're headed right now. I think that this move made a lot of sense for them, and I think that's being borne out in the results. I am interested to see as they get to playing better teams what this looks like as well, but I think that they're probably going to have a real modicum of success here against good teams because their processes offensively particularly seem much better than what they have been. And then we'll go from there. And in terms of the long term, they wait. They be patient, as Daryl Morey loves to be. He loves to take things as close to the deadline for when they have to happen as he can and try to wring out as much value for his team as he can, which is really smart and really great decision making on his part we'll see where it goes now. Right. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's this off season. Maybe it's at the trade deadline. If somebody else comes free, but I I don't see the name quite yet for them where I'm like, I'm selling everything and I'm going to get, get these guys some help right now. Agreed. Okay. Let's take a quick commercial break. Then we're going to be back. We're going to talk about the Pacers. And then we're going to talk about a couple of breakout guys. Okay. Let's dive into the Indiana Pacers. The Indiana Pacers, as I noted in that last segment, have the number two offense in the league right now, uh, led by Tyrese Halliburton, Rick Carlisle, just an unbelievable basketball coach, uh, and some really fun up-tempo pieces around Halliburton that make this team an absolutely miserable team to play on a back to back, make them a miserable team that will make them a miserable team to play in the middle of December, January, February, you know, on a Wednesday when nobody wants to like manage having to run up and down the court for 48 minutes in a row. Mark, what have you loved about the Indiana Pacers to this point?
1: Uh yeah, his his box score hasn't been anything crazy, but Obi's hopping has fit right in with this group. I've really enjoyed watching that just the aspect that he brings with his athleticism. Um, I think there, you know, there's still room to figure out some of the integration with him, but I've enjoyed that Uh, as the other random shot, Aaron Neesmith, man. Like I know that is again, very random, but like he just continues to get a little bit better. And I think for him to have been kind of just a throw in, honestly, when, when the trade for Malcolm Brogdon happened, like, He's gone gone from being like he is don't get me wrong he's still a little bit helter skelter off the dribble but like he's becoming somebody who can actually attack closeouts who I wouldn't say is the movement shooter that some build him as but has been somebody who can shoot off relocation and do a little bit he's become like a really good screener. He's one of the few guys on the team that I trust to do much defensively. Um he's just becoming like a solid rotation level player. Um and I think somebody who maybe not necessarily in the future plans for Indiana, you know, past the next two or three years, but it's like a real guy. Um, so I've enjoyed watching that play out, but mainly, I mean, dude, Tyrese Albert and, like that 40 piece was an absolute blast to watch. Um, yeah. This offense as it's humming has been just uh, like, it just feels like it never stops moving, which I Love watching that. It's been kind of just a joy to watch on that end, um, especially when they get out in transition. Um, they are they are a very fun team, and I think you see like I mean, like you mentioned with where they're at, offensive rating wise right now, it's very real. Like they've been doing this for two years now. Uh, this is year two, um, and I, I like the I like the base of what it is. I just. Not to like, make it negative, but I, I just have a lot of questions with what the rest of this looks like. I think, that, again, the foundation's interesting, but um, when we start talking about the Pacers taking that next step in the next few years, which, again, they're not trying to do right now, um, but I definitely um, have some questions.
0: So they are 4-3 and three right now. They're 5th in the East. What I have loved is just generally a lot of the things you said in terms of the offensive execution – Tyrese Halliburton seems to have taken a real leap in terms of his pull-up game. He is now capable of getting into his pull-up with defenders like pretty tight up on him because while it looks funky and herky-jerky and whatever you want to call it, his ball pickup is so quick into the shot now that it's just really hard to contest him even with how funky things look like through his base and through his legs that while I still am so confused on how it works, it just works and we have to acknowledge it. And I think one thing that throws off defenders is a lot of right-handed shooters when they're going to their right. This is something Tyrese Maxey actually really struggles with. He's not as good at, I mean, not as comfortable with it, let's say. When they're going to their right, they're not as comfortable shooting. If you look at a majority of Tyrese Maxey's pull-ups, they're step-backs to the left, right? Tyrese Halliburton can get to his step-up going to his right, and I feel like that takes a lot of... It puts a lot of pressure on the defense, and I think it catches them by surprise a lot of the time because it's just really uncommon a little bit everything about his load into his shot is uncommon including the fact that he's picking up the ball going from his right going directly into his shooting pocket and then just pulling up with such quickness from three
1: yeah and as a uh as a side note for that too just his continued two-man game with miles turner is a blast to watch like um watching miles continue to grow into like just this fantastic kind of like trebuchet on offense like He just gets the ball and guns it. Um, And, you know, he's gotten better at at making some of the swing passes and doing stuff off the bounce too, but it's just like um, has really figured out his fit in this system. And Tyrese and him have found a really good synergy together. That's been an awesome to watch. Cause I just was never quite sure miles was going to hit this point as an offensive player. Um, So I, yeah, there's, there's been a lot of really fun things with this. And we didn't even mention dude, Bruce Brown, Bruce Brown has been awesome. Like, He's been kind of exactly what I envisioned and he's been even better as a shooter. Uh, like, again, it, we're short ways in. We'll see if it holds up, but has just been like a very good fit on this team in a way that I, you know, you could, you could think about it and it, it made sense totally, but um, he's, he's looked really good with this group.
0: Well, and with Bruce Brown, Tyrese Halliburton, Aaron Naismith, etc. Do you know what the top five guys right now in terms of minutes played per game for it's the Indiana dark. Pacers are shooting yes, from three?
1: Uh, oh, I thought you just meant in terms of minutes uh, because that's an entirely different story. But in terms of – yeah, they are shooting insanely from three.
0: I- so Tyrese Halliburton is shooting 40% from three. He's the lowest. Yeah, Bruce Brown is at 45-2. Miles Turner is at 41-4. Aaron Naismith is at 45-2. Buddy Heald is at 46-2. I think the only two like truly sustainable numbers there are probably Heald and Halliburton. Yeah. So there might be a bit of a drop-off. But then you look at like Ty- or, uh, Ben Matherin shooting 23% from three. And Andrew Nemhart is shooting 23% from three so far. You're probably going to get some upward reversion to the mean from those guys. I think this offense is just very sustainable. The way that they operate is very sustainable for the regular season. They get out, they run, they try and make life miserable on opposing teams by getting out on the break and trying to make things just so difficult to manage with how quickly they make decisions out there. And with how well spaced the court is when they're out in transition, they spray to corners. They're just always ready to go. Do you buy the defense yet?
1: That is bad.
0: Do you buy them in any way, shape, or form being able to defend at a level that will allow them yeah. to have like sustainable success?
1: Yeah, no, this is why I wanted to talk, because uh, our good friend Caitlin Cooper wrote about this the other day, um, or she might have just tweeted about it. I might not have written about it, but like I am legitimately worried about this defense as a whole, not just this year, but like if these are the pieces moving forward that they are going to be good enough. They have tried a bunch of shit defensively. Like they're not just running one coverage and saying, fuck it, we ball like they have been trying different things. They've been trying different lineups and there is like nothing that's sticking right now. Like you mentioned the game against the Spurs, they were 30th in defensive rating until they beat the shit out of the Spurs yesterday. Spurs were coming off the back to back and that offense has, you know, they've had again, when you're a young team, you're going to have good flashes. And then last night they did not have a good showing and shoot. Well, um, I as awesome as Miles has been offensively, I was talking with some people the other day and I hadn't really thought about it but they brought it up with me. Like I do think that he's lost a step defensively to be honest. Like I think in terms of some of the perimeter stuff, like I don't think he was ever a full-on switch everything guy. Um but he has gotten cooked a little bit more than I'm used to seeing on the perimeter over the last um even just going back to last year. And again, part of that is okay, who's around him? This team plays four guards often. That has to factor in the equation, to be fair. Like I think when you're playing like him and Sabonis work so well together at times because they could play off one another's size. Like having that kind of safety net behind you, even if Sabonis isn't a great rim protector, like it's just different when you have that kind of size or length behind you. Um, so I do want to be fair with that. But in general, I do think that he is not somebody that is going to bolster them to just be an average defense. And there was a point in time where I do think he was good enough to do that. Um, again, part of it is what this group is, but I do think in terms of the mobility, I, I wonder about that because he has had some of the built-up compound fractures in his foot. Um, I mean, stress fractures, not compound fractures. He's had some of the stress fractures built up, obviously dealt with some of that last year. Um, again, though, you look, Hal Burton has not improved at all offensively to me which has been frustrating to watch.
0: It's definitely Um, a big piece of it that goes under the radar when talking about Tyrese. Yeah. The defense.
1: He's been like legitimately bad defensively in Indiana. I think a lot goes to like, well, he, he goes for steals and plays hard off the ball. Yes, but he is rough on the ball, like very rough on the ball. A lot of the stuff where, yes, he may get steals. It's a lot of gambling. I don't think – it like, there's a lot that is carried over from – there was a projection of him coming out of Iowa State as, like, this multi tool defender who, yes, he was small, but he fights. Like, that has not carried in the NBA for me. I think there were some times in his rookie season where I felt that was there. But as he's grown as an offensive player, I don't think that's carried the same. And he's been honest in saying that himself. Um, On top of that, too, now that Ben has not shot well, I think it's come out as well. Like, Ben is an awful perimeter defender um he is really bad off the ball he's not good navigating screens he really struggles to guard up um he has a high like he plays really high too so he gets taken off the dribble yeah. easily when the shots aren't falling I think that stood out even more um when you look again when you look across the board like I think Bruce is a really solid defender he's not like you know an all in, all all defense guy to me Air, same thing with Aaron. Like I think Aaron does some really good things on the ball, but like when you look up and down, again, like I don't want to put this all on Miles. It's not my intention. It's more just like this roster is not built to be good defensively. I think that there are some things that they can do to be serviceable, but when you start talking about what the group needs to be at the next level, it's not there. And I know a lot have brought up like, well, what about Jarris? Jarris has not looked good yet in his minutes, and I think that's to be completely fine. Like It's early. I think we've seen more and more even lottery picks should take time in the G league. Like he was a young dude coming yep. out. He's the one and done he played yep. in a very different system in Houston. I think we'll see a lot more of him later on in the year. Um, but I think again, like that's part of what we're talking about. They were, you know, when you're banking and relying on a, a rookie to come in and be somebody who's a safety net for your defense, that's kind of a problem. So I am just really curious to see how they try and address this. Cause again, like OB competes and he, I love his energy, but Obi's not a good defender. Like, he gives you some size, but, again, when you're talking about a team playing with this kind of pace, okay, well, what happens when the shots do start to not fall a little bit, and then teams are getting out off defensive rebounds even more against you than they have been currently because that could be a big problem for them. Um, I just generally don't feel positive about what this defense is right now or what it could be. So... Um, yeah, I know if, if I was too harsh, it'll let me know, but that's kind of where I'm at with everything right now.
0: No, I, I don't think you're too harsh. I think they're really struggling on defense and I don't just even with the roster. I don't know what the answers are it, like other than get better. Well, I mean like it's either you change the roster or the guys on the roster have to get better defensively and there's a chance that could happen. Like yeah. Ben Matherin has the tools to to be a good defender like there's nothing wrong with Ben Matherin's build. like Tyrese Halliburton God love him he is very skinny has kind of a high center of gravity and probably does not have the tools to be an elite defender he has the anticipation and the length to be one but just athletically and in terms of his actual build it's going to be hard for him to be a great defender Ben Matherin has the tools to be a good defender. He's strong, he's physical, he's explosive, he has quickness. Like, there's no reason for him to not be able to defend at a reasonable level. But Aaron Naismith should be a really good defender. Bruce Brown is a good defender, right? Like, Miles Turner has shown in the past that he can be a really good defender. Andrew Nemhardt, I thought last year was like a pretty good defender. Uh, he was probably a little bit overtaxed playing guys that are like super high end offensive players on the perimeter. But I thought he was solid last year on some level. This is fucking simple to say, but like, it's just kind of like you have to get better and play better. If this is going to be your core.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Because again, like I want things to work out for him, but Isaiah Jackson is still just kind of like largely not a rotation player. Um, Like, there has not been a lot of trust there. And I think that's, again, like when you're talking about like I, I, idealistically, the idea is, well, maybe you can grow into that. Just has not pieced together yet. Um, Jalen Smith has honestly done really nice things as an offensive player this year, but still like he is pretty raw in a lot of ways defensively. I don't think like he's somebody who can get blocked, but I wouldn't necessarily call him a rim protector. Um, he has a little bit of mobility, but he's not really a great switch defender. Um, But honestly, like that's where he's probably been best at is just when he's asked to switch because he's better at containing than he is at, you know, playing in a drop. And when you just start talking up and down about how many players are limited defensively on this team, it does bring up a lot of questions. Um, And then again, like to put it on the other hand, okay, well, what if it hits a point where the offense is just so good that it doesn't matter? I just don't necessarily believe in that. I think you have to be at such an insane level offensively, like, like i mean like we're talking about with the kings last year honestly like i think that's one like and to be fair like this offense is currently better than the kings offense which i love early season small sample sizes um yeah but like like we saw like you have to have the and some kind of versatility even if you're not a great defensive team you have to be good enough and versatile enough to have answers in the playoffs this team isn't that
0: not yet It could be down the road. They're not quite there yet. Could be that in three months. We'll see. But this is an exciting team. They're a fun team that I immensely enjoy watching. Uh, They are fantastic to watch. And I'm excited to watch more of them. Let's go now to a couple of breakout candidates that Mark Schindler has wanted to talk about. Uh, Do you want to start with Cam Thomas or Shaden Sharp?
1: Uh let's talk with let's talk Shaden first. Um yeah. Yeah. This Shaden
0: a, oh, Yeah, ahead. Shaden has been fantastic. Yeah. Shaden like I I've so enjoyed the breakout from Shaden Sharp so far. Uh the Blazers in general are 3 and 4. They're fighting largely because they have been like pretty okay on defense. If you look at their offensive execution, it is pretty horrendous, but Defensively, they've been pretty good. And I think Shaden plays a role in that. Like he's figured out how to use his length and insane explosiveness to just kind of play all over the court and be aggressive and make an impact. Even when he's not necessarily uh, like the most positionally sound guy yet, but he knows how to play. He's also averaging 20 points, six rebounds, three assists uh, shooting 45, 38, 81 to this stage of the season he has been utterly terrific uh, for the Blazers so far.
1: Yeah. uh, Like you mentioned, I think like there's still stuff to clean up off the ball or whatever, but like just in general, like the activity level from him on defense has been so much better, um, which has been great to see. And some obviously, you know, I want to track as the year goes on, but um, it's been interesting because like when you look at his buckets, it's, it's been the, the growth from last year that I've been most impressed with it's not just scoring for the sake of scoring. Like I think he's been more comfortable um, just in general from the three point line, which is important when you talk about like one of the guys who probably took the most 21 footers last year. Um, You know, he's been just more comfortable getting into his shots. He's not thinking as much. Um, I think I've probably been most like the, the assist numbers don't pop, but I think I've been most impressed by just some of his decision-making in general, like, it's still yep. basic stuff, but, like, I, I like the delivery. I like the thought process. I like the quickness on it. And seeing the scoring blossom to where it's at now, like, um, I mean, I'm very clear, like, probably number one for most improved right now um, with what he's done in terms of just becoming this guy. Like, again, it has to be for a whole season, but based on what he's done right now, I feel pretty confident on it moving forward. Um, I'm gonna be interested to see more and more of him getting to the rim. But in terms of what he's doing creating shots uh as a guy who isn't even like really taking up as much usage as you you I envision when you think about somebody scoring 20 points per game. Um, it's been really fun. Cause it's still a lot of like operating more off the second side or you know, playing out of transition. Um, but it's been good stuff from him.
0: Yeah, and I, I know people don't love the idea of giving like most improved or something like that to second year guys. Right. You'll hear Mm -hmm. complaints about that. Oftentimes. I think it's worth noting just like how far off the mark Shaden was last season up until that final little stretch where he really put it together. Uh, And like, I think he averaged pretty similar to the numbers he's averaging now over their last nine games when Dame missed and they kind of moved forward into a tank. Shaden, at least according to EPM, which in my opinion is the best all in one metric in their estimated wins model, he was the ninth least valuable player in the NBA last season. And that's totally to be expected. He is a teenager that did not play college basketball, directly stepped in essentially from high school. It would have been miraculous if Shaden Sharp would have been able to play in any real tangible way as an NBA guy uh, last season. But the level he's shown this year is a drastic, drastic, drastic improvement beyond what we saw up until those last like nine or 10 games. I don't think I would vote for him for most improved. I still think that like the leap from where Tyrese Maxey went or where Scotty Barnes went to being like All-Stars, which is where they would be through the first 10th of the season, I think that is a more difficult leap to take. But Shaden Sharp, I think, is, like, on the short list right now yep. for guys that have just been really, really impressive and incredible throughout the season so far.
1: Yeah, I think saying short list would have been better than me just saying number one because I agree. I didn't think that through. But, you know, when you talk about just in general, <laughs> too, I think it's – this Portland team just, like – not not to get, like, too deep into it, but this Portland team just kind of racks my brain because it's, like, it's – like you mentioned, I think there's been some solid stuff on the defensive end, but the offense has been an absolute mess. Um for yeah. a myriad of reasons. But I think, again, like when you talk about that, Shaden's been playing as well offensively and somewhat in the flow in spite of that has been, uh, it stood out to me. It's been really fun to watch.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, you wanted to talk quickly about Scoot too.
1: Yeah. I just want to say I'm not really worried about Scoot. Like I, yeah. it's been five games. I just wish people could relax um, really quick. One of the things that's going to be most interesting for me to watch when he is back is, is how he and Aiton build chemistry because it is not there right now, um, which not even is to be expected. Bit. Like, it's it takes time. But, like, I think – and, again, this is more so, like, not talking about talent, but in terms of just general fit, I think Nurk would have been a better fit for him in terms of just developing as a ball handler this year, Agreed. to be honest. Um, Aiton is not a screen setter. That's part of, you know, when we talk about what Phoenix is doing, that's – why, like, again, like there's, you know, we've talked about it before. We don't need to get into it, but um, I think how they build that chemistry or, or work towards it is going to be really important because, you know, you make this move to go and acquire Aiton and you draft Scoot. I want to see it work together. Um, so we'll see on that because it's been a lot of Scoot just kind of having to play one-on-one with what the screens have been. So
0: Well, it, um, it's, it's the screening and it's like the areas that – deandre rolls into deandre is definitely like a short stop roller where it's not quite a short roll but it's also not quite a roll all the way to the rim either like it feels like he's just rolling into that dead area of like between let's call it you know right around the eight foot mark of the lane and you know it's too far into the lane to actually take a pocket pass or a short roll pass that brings defenders and then it's not really close enough to get an efficient shot. And then the result is that like on a drive scoot is kind of coming into a lot of help defenders and it's really tough on top of that, like their chemistry in terms of like when Deandre is like ready to accept passes, it feels like hasn't been there either. Uh, Just even like something simple like that. So it's definitely going to take a minute. It's going to be a real process. I am fully on board with you. Like, I think people need to be patient. I'm going to do a rookies breakdown either next week or the week after and like really dive into what some of these dudes have seen so far. I will say that like, I thought Scoot's game against Toronto, particularly in the second half was quite good. And then I thought the game against Detroit, particularly in the second half before he got hurt was awesome. Like I I thought he was playing really, really well. I think he probably would have ended up with something like 15 points, 10 assists in that game if he had played it all the way to its conclusion. And if that happens, like nobody is talking about this right now and it like wouldn't be a thing. Unfortunately, he just turned his ankle and it got like kind of rolled up on. And now he's going to miss the game tomorrow as well, it looks like. So hopefully he gets back on the court things really kind of get back together and he's able to showcase what he's capable of. He's been able to get to his spots so far. It's just that he's missing that polish on the final product. I think as much as anything yeah. where the shot obviously has not fallen in any way, shape or form. And then even some of the finishing stuff just hasn't been there. He just feels sped up right now, but even while being sped up, you can see that he's getting to his spots. Uh, it's just experience and there is no, Substitute for that on an NBA court. I, I think he's going to be fine. I'm not yes. real worried about this.
1: Exactly. Yeah. No, I don't mean to feed into negativity. I just wanted to bring it up because I'm. I just think it's a little bit laughable. But
0: yeah. yeah. All right. Number two, Cam Thomas. G- give me, give me Cam Thomas takes because I, I don't. Yeah. need Yeah. <laughs> really
1: uh, I myself. think if I remember correctly, I, I believe I saw the stats somewhere. He has like the highest usage percentage with the lowest assist percentage, um, ever. If it, if it holds up, currently at a 31.8 usage percentage with an 11.6 assist percentage. Um, but also only a 4.5% turnover percentage, which is pretty damn good. Um, it's interesting because, like, obviously, do I think that Cam Thomas is going to be an all-NBA player or somebody who should be leading a team? No. I don't think anybody worth their salt thinks that. But I think to me, and so much of what has been fun to watch with Brooklyn is like they kind of needed this from him in in an extent. Like one of the biggest issues for Brooklyn last year after they made the trade and then they ended up being kind of funky with Cam's minutes down the stretch um, was like they just had a lot of guys who were good basketball players but not really anybody who could do anything to a defense. So then it just became, well, let's switch everything and you guys are kind of screwed. This year – they've been able to play completely out of Cam's gravity to an extent or not completely, but like it's been a large part of what Brooklyn has been able to establish offensively and then have everything work from outside that. And like, Hey, Dorian Finney Smith has had an awesome start to the year because he can play off of that. And Mikhail has looked really good because he's like McHale's McHale. But again, I think when you talk about this entire group together, like you need somebody who can score and be a willing scorer not just, you know, having five guys who are all, like, ideal connective players out on the court at the same time. Um, It's not as simplistic as that, but I think just, again, like, when you look at Cam overall, um, I want to see the passing growth growth happen. Obviously, I think that goes without saying. Um, But with how well he gets to the line still um, and how effective he has been still, like, it's been – been really fun for me to watch. Uh, I know it's not for everybody. And again, not trying to say that it's perfect, but um, averaging a a clean, almost 29 points per game on, you know, above league average for shooting is, is not an easy feat to do. Um, So I am enjoying that.
0: I am too. uh, I am to an extent. Yeah. The thing that I think goes a little bit underrated with the offensive profile for Cam Thomas is that yes, the assist rate is incredibly low for somebody who takes on this much usage and that can't sustain. He has to be so much more willing Uh, to me. It's like a willingness thing. Like he just does not. Yeah. I I think
1: Cam has, he's made the plays on tape. Like he has the vision to do it. I think it's just making the decisions to do it, which that's, I will be interested to see how that plays out. Um,
0: Yeah. That's a mindset thing as much as anything. And he has to adjust that. We'll see if it happens. The thing that goes underrated is he like never turns the ball over. (laughs) Yes. Like even getting to, for somebody who takes on as much usage as he does and like is creating as many shots as he does this dude, it's kind of remarkable that he only averages one turnover.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, guess how many turnovers he has on the year.
0: Uh, how many games have they played? Seven, I would guess. Well,
1: I killed it. He, he has eight yeah. turnovers in two hundred and thirty-nine okay. minutes. Like, yeah, it's like you said. It's actually it's uncanny, like his ability to not turn the ball over and just put it in the rim or off the
0: rim. no, one hundred percent. So that piece of it is really really valuable. That piece of it matters. The problem is that it's really hard to do this against like the greatest defenders in the league, like night after night after night. And I am just like very skeptical. Like he dropped 45 against Milwaukee. Right. And that was incredible. Uh Milwaukee's defense is still like, I know that they've made some changes, but like Milwaukee's defense is still an absolute like travesty right now. Mm-hmm. Uh Dropped twenty seven against Boston, but did it on twenty four shots and was not all that efficient doing so. Uh, and then his thirty three on or thirty three was against Charlotte, right? Where Charlotte is like a total like non they just don't have anybody that can stop him on the ball defensively, right? So, what does this look like against like great one on one defenders? I think is what I'm still trying to learn with cam thomas and and i'm not gonna like rule anything out i guess like i I don't want to sit here and say that like he can't figure it out but you know i'm staring at that four for 19 against miami and i'm like well yeah that's the best defense they played this year i just don't know how i don't know how sustainable playing this style is like i i have an immense fucking respect for cam thomas's like ability to score i have always like I think even you go back to the draft guide I think I Cam Thomas like 25 or so I said he is probably going to average 20 points per game in the NBA at some point it's just whether or not it is a 25 that like helps you win basketball or a 20 that helps you win basketball games he has always had this like he's always been the best scorer at every single level he has played at for his career that's not an exaggeration like he was a freshman that averaged 20 points at LSU. He was the best scorer in high school basketball when he played in high school at Oak Hill. Like he has that ability. It's just that I, I like there's the idea that like with roster building that you can cover up deficiencies and like make things work around guys with somebody that like wants to handle the ball that much and not pass and like not play make. I actually don't know how much you can do to like shore up the deficiencies when he's going to be on the ball and he's not going to pass. And like, he has to be quite literally the best scorer in the NBA or like one of the five best scores in the NBA for it to work. And he might have that. Like he actually has the upside to do that that's how good of a scorer cam thomas is he just needs the mindset adjustment a little bit more while also me calling out that like he is an immensely fucking gifted scorer who can get to his shot from any footwork from any spot on the court going to his right going to his left uh in the mid-range he's much more comfortable there but he can get it from three as well he is absolutely fantastic as a scorer and and like there are so few guys around the league that i will say have potential to be a top five scorer in the nba he is one of them the rest of his game right now is so deficient that the rest of it has to come along i think
1: no i agree um but again like i think because I, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying, but I just to keep in perspective still and not saying that you're not in perspective, but like he just yeah. turned 22 this month. I mean, 100%. last month um, and like the <laughs> the number of players I can point out who have been averaging 29 points per game on their 22 is it's pretty few and far between. Um, so I agree. But like in terms of talking about like if you can just make some of those things come along, which I know that that just has never been there. Um, but it's worth finding out. So I think that's part of what's made me so interested in, in Brooklyn as a whole. And he's gotten to the rim more and taken, taking more threes this year. So that has been a nice little boon. Not that it's perfect, but
0: so we've talked about the offense Brooklyn so far this season, uh, has let's, let's see what their exact ranking is. I think they're 24th right rating. now. They're 24th in defensive rating at one seventeen point two. uh, According to Basketball Reference, shout out, good folks over there. Do you know what, in the 240 minutes that Cam Thomas has played, do you know what their defensive rating is?
1: Oh, I probably don't want to know. Do I?
0: Like 119? It is 122. Uh, When Cam Thomas is off the court, they have a 107.5 defensive rating. It's basically like the difference between – like first and last in the NBA right now. Yeah. And that's not all him. I want to be clear about that, but he is, he is a bad defender that has so, so long to go on that end right now. So you have to play him. Like he is so good offensively that you just got to go and you got to roll with it and you got to take the lumps when they come. But man, like I, I don't, I, I I'm, I've got some, I got some questions. <laughs> I got yeah. some questions, Mark.
1: Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, and just to answer one of the questions from Jack's, I think it's an interesting question from, I am not him. Damn. No, well, don't I'm, say glad that to
0: yourself. <laughs> I'm glad that you are, uh, answering questions. Cause I wanted to go to questions in the YouTube chat next. So let's oh, cool. just go there. We'll transition from there yeah. to there.
1: No, uh, he said he's benefiting a lot from the five out spacing. Do you think his numbers will drop in Claxton and Klaxen, Klaxen comes back? Um, Honestly, I'm not really too worried about his numbers dropping because of Claxton. I actually think when you're talking about passing, like I think that's what I'm most interested to see, is him getting to work with a lot threat like Claxton. Because I think Cam has always been a solid enough lob thrower um, when he wants to. And I think if you can get that going with Claxton, that could be interesting. Um, when you talk about who their bigs are right now without Nick, like it is uh, it is a little bit dire. I mean, it's been a lot of Ben Simmons playing the five. When you know when he's been out there, and I, I, I still am a Dayron Sharp believer. But in terms of everything coming together defensively right now, it has not been there. Um, so I think having Clax back in terms of getting some of that will be interesting, and I think it'll, it'll it'll be to his benefit, in my opinion.
0: I I don't disagree. I I just think that like so much of it is a mindset thing. That like yeah. I, what will help them is they'll get better on defense when Nick Claxton comes back and. That number I just cited where they are giving up 122 points per 100 possessions when uh, Cam Thomas is on the court, that will go down when Mm -hmm. Nick Claxton comes back. That is the most important piece of it. And honestly, I think Cam's game offensively is almost like agnostic of who is around him in some ways. Like, yeah, the spacing helps so that like he can't get doubles like thrown at him all the time. But, like, even if he gets the doubles coming on the drive, I feel like he's just going to stop early and pull up. And he'll make it work that way. Like, his scoring game is so refined and polished. And he's so gifted in that way that I think that I just don't. Yeah. Like, I, I, I he's such a weird guy. I have such a respect for his offensive craft and skill set. And I just really struggle with everything else. I really, really struggle with it.
1: Yeah. No, it's it's fair, man. He uh, he certainly is uh, – he is – there are not players like Cam Thomas, and that's the best way to put it, <laughs> few and far between.
0: Okay. Let's grab some questions. I asked uh, asked in the comments here for the last 10 minutes, and there was one above that I wanted to talk about. Um from Jake Slack. I know it's an NBA show, but what's up with UCLA? Why recruit these guys if you're not gonna play them? My read on that in terms of like not playing them and playing like Kenny Wuba for 24 minutes last night and only playing a day Mara for six was that you know, a day Mara just got eligible a couple of days ago. Burke shell uh is it seems like still caught up in this, according to John Rothstein, where it's a real question as to whether or not uh he's eligible, or at least they're going through the process, let's call it, as opposed to a real question, right? Um, so that takes out two of those guys. Uh Jan Vide, frankly, I've just kind of heard that like Sebastian Mack looks great and Dylan Andrews looks great. And Jan Vide, you know, is gonna have to beat those guys out for minutes. Um, and then Alain Fibley is just gonna take time, like he's a multi year guy there. So I am not really concerned yet about UCLA is what I would say in terms of giving out minutes to these international guys, uh, at this point. Next. I wanted to talk very quickly about USC, Kansas state. Did you watch any of that game? Mark? I did not get to, it is a wild fun game. Uh, Isaiah Collier going through contact has been absolutely unbelievable I heard he so was far.
1: Incredible yesterday, yeah.
0: Yeah, look, the turnovers were a real issue. Like he turned the ball over like all over the place uh against Kansas State. I think he had six of them. But in terms of just like driving, embracing contact, absorbing contact, like power, playing with like a first step and power, transitioning that speed into like real explosiveness into maintaining that power on your drive. He was remarkable. I thought Kobe Johnson was also incredible. Like he started out on Arthur Kaluma. Kaluma was absolutely dreadful in this game, in large part because of Kobe Johnson. Like those two dudes I think are first round picks. Like just straight up. Isaiah Collier is going to go somewhere in the lottery and obviously should, but like I think Kobe Johnson is a first round pick is where mm-hmm. I'm at. Yeah,
1: no, I really liked him last year. I think it'll be a, like, had, did does his shot look even better this year? Or what is, you know, what is...
0: It looks better. Yeah, okay. it, he looks a lot more confident with it, I good. would say. There are still some things to work out, but like he looks a lot more confident with it.
1: Okay, good. That makes me happy because then I would probably agree with that. What he did defensively last year was was really impressive stuff and shows some of the connected playmaking shit and, you know, having some of the just general basketball knowledge that he brings. When you, when you put that all together with a better shot, I'm there.
0: Okay, uh Luke B in the YouTube comments asks uh Pacers defense question to get to solid on defense what does the 234 look like if we assume Halliburton and Turner are the pivot points?
1: Uh yeah. Um I think to well I mean they Mathurin has to be there um at the 2 I think. Like I mean they they invested the picking in so I think it's pretty clear that he's gonna be there. Um
0: and he just has to get better is your point. Yeah, he just right. has to get
1: better. Point blank. Um, I think to me, Jarrett's at the four. Like that that is the hope, that is the goal. Um, and I'd be pretty confident in that happening. Um, I think the three is where it gets really interesting. Because um, when you start talking about like, okay, how who you know, what kind of player do we need who covers for some of the deficiencies. Cause I do think to me, like I I would have a lot more confidence in – dude, it's rough. Because, like, trying to think of, like, guys like Ben who have some of the struggles he does, like, he's a lot like Jalen Brown defensively, but he is not even as good as Jalen was defensively coming out of Cal. Not that Jalen was awesome, but, like, Jalen at least had some of the stuff, like, on the ball. He used his length a lot better. He was just generally more active. I think, like, maybe in the ideal world, like, Ben just becomes somebody who's good as a chaser, because I just don't really know if I have confidence in him becoming a real point of attack defender with what he's been so far. So to me, like I think the three has to be somebody like who is pretty switchable, who has some strength, um, who can take on probably the best defensive assignments every night. Because I just I strongly doubt that Ben's going to grow into that.
0: So why is it just not Bruce Brown? Then like at the three. It could, but I I just don't
1: know if I view Bruce as this. Like, I mean, is Bruce the long-term starter answer?
0: Well, he's only there for one, maybe two years. Yeah, I mean, I guess for this season, yeah, I think it's him. So far, too, but, like, I, I don't know. Like, he seems like the perfect archetype for me. Like, I would want, like, somebody that I could use physical, like, point of attack defense on guards. And as long as he maintains that quickness, like, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Jairus, like, 100%. Like, it's got to be Jairus, I think, at the four. Like, he just lines up perfectly with everything they're looking for. The interesting thing is, if it's Bruce Brown, is, like, the ideal guy, then maybe, as Gregory Castillo says, like, you can try and do some fun things with, like, OG and Anobi there. Or, like, trying to fix the defense, you know, by getting somebody that's a little bit bigger who can play the three. Or can slide down to the four, and then you can... Play like Bruce Brown, Ben Matherin, you know Halliburton lineups, right, or yeah. things like that, right. right? So, I'm not saying give up on Ben Matherin, but like I also got like severely complained at when I did the redraft for last year's draft uh right after the season, and I'd been at like nine or ten, like I was like I didn't love the process of what if I. If you remove the
1: first month and a half of last year, it was really rough. Like, he had a couple yeah. of okay games down the stretch, but, like, yeah. Um, but uh, going off that, though, like, I think part of – like, it's – what's going to be really interesting for me with them is, like – because this is the first team to me, at least in in my lifetime, at least, you know, in watching since 2014, heavily, like, in-depth. This is the first group that is, like, really sold out to play four-guard lineups pretty consistently, I just don't think that that is like, I think that you can do that for stretches. I don't think that can be like your 75% of your game. Like, I think that there has to be at least an answer for somebody to come off the bench, or at least you have somebody who can be a spot starter that gives you additional length and opportunity. Like, I think that it's a with like, because when we're talking about how good the offense is with what they do with this group, I think that, it's good enough to, I mean like it's shown enough that I'm invested in seeing what that can look like. But again, I think it just becomes more of like you have to have somebody who is good enough as like your fifth or sixth man that can elevate as more of a combo forward and still fit in um, just to give you additional looks. Um, So I think it's just kind of finding that guy um, be like, I mean, honestly, like, because if you add OG to this group, they're what they end up being like, it's not that simplistic, but then I view them as at least, like, I don't think that they would be a bottom 10 defense in the league if they were able to add OG and an OV. Yeah, you know, no, I agree. Depends what you they, give they, up, sh-
0: like. That's the guy. For yeah,
1: me. like, if you – I would give it everything to get ben, to, to get OG on this team if I'm the Pacers because, like, even if he's not the, the prototypical, like, .5-second guy, I think he fits in so much with what they would want to do. Yeah, and has the willingness as a shooter, can do some of the off the bounce game. Like that's the yeah, like you said, I, that is that is like if I am the Indiana Pacers, I have written on my proverbial whiteboard that gets screenshotted in the background, OG Ananobi at the top. So yeah, yeah. make it happen.
0: Uh, a fun one here from Whoosh. Uh, who should the Bucks go and try to get to address the perimeter defense issue? DeLon right question mark Yes.
1: Actually, my answer, I kinda actually, I kind of like that. That's pretty
0: good. That was my answer also, actually.
1: Yeah. Uh, there, the, the the weird part with the Wizards for me is like there are so many guys outside their starting lineup, or I mean, even some in the starting lineup too. Where I'm just like, ah, oh, it would be cool if they could like be a rotation player somewhere else. Like Corey yeah. Kispert is a good basketball player, and I would love to see a team go snag him. Not that I think Washington should just give him up for nothing, but it, yeah, Delon would do really good stuff for the Bucks.
0: So, so here's the problem with this, like the really. Hmm. I need to understand this a little bit better, maybe. But, like, I think that functionally it might be a little bit difficult for them to get the lawn right now. Uh, with- unless they moved Connaughton, because Connaughton is his deal is three years still. It feels, it con- it feels difficult to me. What is Thelon on? Is he on? No, it was, it's like nine or ten. Yeah,
1: it, it's eight, eight, eight point two expiring. Okay, that's 8-2. not terrible. That's
0: better than I thought, actually. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's just going to be tough, I think, to go get him. Yeah, because uh, I don't think they have a. Uh, I don't believe that they have a exception that is that big either. I think that their biggest is from the. Oh no. No, 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 no. I lied. They don't have an exception right now to be able to go get the lawn. But like, if you did, I'm like trying to like formulate something together here. Like if you did something like some of these, I mean, like it'd have to be Connaughton, I think, to make this work. Like unless you did, it'd have to be like a weird three for one. And like the wizards just don't have that functionality. So that would be really difficult, I think, to do.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, hmm. I do want to say though, Danny Abdi has had a nice season so far. I've enjoyed Danny Abdi. danny has
0: been fine. Yeah, Danny's yeah. been
1: solid. I I am kind of tired of hearing the. Well, what if Danny shoots? I just I'll believe it when I see it. But um,
0: I'll, I'll give what? I'll give one more name. By the way. Yeah. Uh, I really like Jordan Goodwin. Like I'm trying to think of like minimum guys that like you could theoretically do with this. Uh, I really like Jordan Goodwin uh, for Phoenix. You know, he's was with Washington last year. I think Jordan Goodwin's like a really, really good defender. He's tough. He's physical. Like that could be an interesting name for them. That could be like their next, like Javon Carter, like revival project kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. No, that'd be fun. I would just say, I don't think that the Sun should give him up, but I agree.
0: Okay, uh last question here. I thought I saw one earlier. Uh what does Josh Giddy need to change? He's been terrible so far. Uh Mark, give me give me some Giddy thoughts cuz I'm sure that you like me have watched a decent amount of the Oklahoma City Thunder to this point.
1: Yeah. Um I don't like I don't want to say that it's anything like all that different. I think to me this is more just like it's just been a tough shooting start to the season for him across the board. Yeah, agree. Um, that's really all I got. Like, I know that's kind of lame answer. I still think he's been doing good things. It's just
0: the shots haven't been falling for him. Um, agree. I, uh, I just like, don't, I don't think he shot it. Well, like, and like, look, the defense is going to have to improve on some level, right? Like it's also worth noting that Josh is currently taking the second most shots on the Oklahoma city thunder this season. Despite the fact that he is not as good well, as Jalen Williams been, and Chad Holmgren, frankly. Like I do want to
1: say it's been ta- they've tasked him with running a ton of the bench units. So it's been like, okay, well yeah. he's been tasked to figure it out. So like I agree, but I do think like that factors into it for me. Um but yeah, I agree.
0: Well, it's like the finishing hasn't been there either, right? Like, it's not just yeah. like the shooting. It's like the finishing hasn't taken the leap. Uh, I, I do think he'll be fine. Like, he's too smart. He's too big. He's too talented. Like, he'll be fine by, like, game 20, I would guess.
1: Hmm. Uh, hopefully starting tomorrow because my fantasy team needs it.
0: Yes, you do. If you have Josh Giddy on your fantasy team, Mark, we went five minutes longer than what I wanted uh, in terms of question and answer, but we're going to call it here. Do you have anything you want to talk about at the end here you know, before we leave?
1: Last thing I do want to shout out Peyton Watson. I'm just intrigued, man. That's all I want to say when Michael Malone will actually play a player and he's not forced to I'm intrigued. Um, he's been solid. Not going to say that he's, a world beater yet, but looks like you'd be a real rotation player for them this year. I've loved the defense, love the energy. If the shot comes around and continues to develop out, I'm so sold. There we go.
0: I love it. Uh, I love that you are taking a minute to, uh, shout out Peyton Watson. I think I've done it a couple times on the show. I think Peyton has yeah. been really terrific this year. Yeah. The defense um, has been so fun. Defense has been fun. The cutting has been really fun. Like the whole package has been great. Uh, yeah, that's about all I've got. Mark, tell the people where they can find your work. Tell the people what's going yeah, on.
1: You can find me on Twitter at MG underscore Schindler. I wrote a really big piece breaking down Juju Watkins's Juju Watkins.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: Juju Watkins's performance for USC yesterday for reference. She broke Lisa Leslie's scoring debut record at USC. Love that's it. pretty good. Um watch that. One of the most insane freshman debuts I've seen from a player, period. We'll have something coming on Asar Thompson on Thursday. Um, actually have something coming out on a prospect. I had a one-on-one sit down with them and watch the film with them yesterday, which will be really fun to watch as well. Um, a lot of stuff coming out. You can find me over, again, on Twitter. Uh, I work for Seven Star Digital doing all things basketball. So check it out.
0: Go follow Mark. Mark is the best Please go follow Mark's work. He does a fantastic job on both the men's and the women's side. Uh, I will be back later this week with a few things podcasting wise. Uh, I will probably get Bryce into the mix here on Friday. I'm not sure yet. We will see. I have also, we're probably going to do a mock draft on. Wednesday next week, something like that. So maybe Bryce will get a minute here to prepare for that. Um, we will see. It depends on what I decide I want to talk about. Mostly uh, later this week, starting tomorrow. Realistically, I will be. I'll have a Scotty Barnes video breaking down his game against the Spurs from over the weekend. I thought he was like fucking fantastic in that game. We're going to talk about everything with Scotty Barnes and how impressive he has been uh, to this point of the season uh and then i want to do his ion on video still this week my guess is that i will try and do that as well so keep it locked here the podcast we'll have some fun go to the youtube channel subscribe there those breakdowns will be exclusive to the youtube channel uh that's about all i've got so until next time we will talk soon bye